Hello, and welcome to Sharing Real Hope. My name is Mike Hall. The Apostle Paul was used by Almighty God in a major way to plant churches, to go back and strengthen those churches through his teaching, and to write letters to many of those churches. Those letters became what is today a major portion of our New Testament. God used him in a great way in all of that. One such church was the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi was the first church that Paul planted in Europe. And we have been talking about that. Uh, We are now in a study through the book of Philippians. And the first two podcasts that I've done, the two previous to this one, we laid out the backstory. We talked about how Paul ended up in, in Philippi and how that church was planted. And if you haven't listened, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those two podcasts. You can find them at the website sharingrealhope.org or you can go to iTunes and subscribe, putting in Sharing Real Hope. I encourage you to, to do that. So, When Paul went and planted that church, he went back later on his third missionary journey, once at the beginning and then once toward the end of that third missionary journey to encourage and strengthen the church. Now, four or five years later, he finds himself in a Roman prison for the sake of the gospel. The people of the church at Philippi heard about his imprisonment, and as they had done on previous occasions, they now had the desire to send him a gift, a gift to help him, to help support him. And so they chose one of their own, Epaphroditus, to deliver that gift from them in Philippi over to Rome. In the process of delivering, somewhere along the line, Epaphroditus got very sick, and Paul tells us that he was sick almost to death, nearly died. But somehow or the other, God spared Epaphroditus, and he was able to recover. And so Paul, uh, as he is writing this letter, he wrote it for for one purpose. One of the purposes was that he could uh, send Epaphroditus back to Philippi, and he could let them know that he was okay, that Epaphroditus was okay, that he recovered, so that they wouldn't be worried. And he also wanted to thank the uh, Philippian church for their generous gift. And in the process, he wanted to write them and tell them about his own situation, how he was making out, how God was uh, meeting his needs and taking care of of him. Along with that, in this letter, Paul takes the opportunity to deal with several issues. And uh, some of those issues, and by the way, we're going to be going verse by verse through this book, and we'll deal with uh, all of these things in a bit more detail. But I just want to give you an overview here. Some of those issues that Paul dealt with were, were, were the following. Paul talked about how the gospel was being preached in different circumstances and with different motives. Paul said, you know, I'm imprisoned here, but the gospel's being preached, and because I'm able to proclaim the gospel, others are emboldened, have gotten the courage to to do the same, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, now, by the way, some of them are doing it out of wrong motives, right? But, but 
he said, I thank God that the gospel's being proclaimed anyhow. And so he deals with that. It's, it's always on Paul's heart. Paul said, I came to preach Christ and him crucified. Paul was always gospel-centric. He was always ready and willing in whatever circumstance he found himself to, to share the gospel. As a matter of fact, he saw his various circumstances as things that God sovereignly allowed him in so that the gospel, gospel could be proclaimed. And we'll talk about that in more detail. And it's very, very apropos to our life today, something that we can learn from that in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. Then Paul dealt sort of with the issue of suffering for Christ in this letter. And because obviously he was in the middle of, of suffering for Christ himself at some level. And he talked about the uh, privilege, the honor that it is to be allowed to do that. And so we'll deal with that. And, and then Paul talked uh, uh, to the Philippian church about the need, the importance of unity in the body of Christ. In the first part of chapter 2, he goes into detail about unity. And then in chapter 4, the first part of chapter 4, he appeals directly to a couple of people in the church that they would seek unity and harmony with, with each other. So he deals with that all-important subject of unity in the body of Christ. And then, uh, even though the, this short book of Philippians, it is only four chapters in length, a uh, very short book, uh, but right in the middle of this book, there is a doctrinal section there that is very important, very strategic, very uh, telling to the body of Christ. Uh, even though Philippians is not, uh, as a rule, the major part of it doctrinal, it is very practical, but this very important doctrinal uh, point here in chapter 2, and it deals with the incarnation uh, of the coming uh, from heaven and taking on a human body, in other words, the incarnation of Christ, and what is known as the emptying of Christ, the kenosis, the emptying of Christ, which is simply the fact that Jesus voluntarily, while in the flesh, limited some of his the divine attributes. And uh, so what a powerful passage. I can't wait to get there and, and teach on that particular passage of Scripture. Paul also dealt with light bearing, you know, this, this whole idea that we are lights in, in the world and how we live as lights in the world, as, as purveyors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that section is one that we need to hear. Paul talked about in chapter 3, pursuing Christ-likeness as that one goal. Uh, forgetting all else, he says, and stretching forward, uh, I pursue this goal, and, and, the, and that goal was becoming like Jesus Christ. And, you know, if you go out of this book over into Romans, Romans chapter 8, we're told that we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to become more like Jesus. And Paul said for, for believers, that is, that is the one major goal of our life, to always be growing, to become more like Christ. And so we'll teach about that. And then among other things in this book, I would just mention that in chapter 4, Paul uh, deals with this issue of giving as he is thanking them for his gift and, and talking about how the Lord supplies. Uh, there's some important information there that we can learn about uh, this whole thing of how the Lord uh, takes care of our needs as we 
as we give and as we share, and, and, and it's biblical. You know, there's a lot of false teaching out there, this whole prosperity gospel thing where you give to get. Uh, and, and so you get a glimpse into the real biblical view of giving there briefly in chapter 4 of Philippians. And those are just some of the things that he dealt with in this, uh, in this short book. It is just uh, chalked full of good, practical, daily, Christian living kind of, of uh, information. And, and it's something that we need to, to know. But, you know, uh, the, the, I have chosen to uh, call this series Authentic Joy. And the reason I, I did that is because uh, one author said it is, uh, it is like a golden thread that's woven through this entire letter, this whole theme of joy. The word joy is used five times in this little four-chapter book, but the word rejoice, which is a companion word, it's very similar, they're tied together. The word rejoice is used nine times in this little four-chapter book. So when you add the five and the nine together, 14 times in this book, joy and rejoice is used. So you can see that it is obviously an integral part of this letter. Uh, Paul is, is essentially saying that it doesn't matter what circumstances you find yourself in, uh, there, there's joy there. So uh, what I see here is is uh, helping us to understand that happiness isn't where it's at, but joy is where it's at. Absolutely, joy is uh, is one of those things that uh, is um, elusive to the world. They 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 don't have it. They just absolutely do not have joy. I would like to try my best to to, to define it for you. Um, there is a man by the name of Donald Campbell that says this, Joy describes a deep and abiding inner rejoicing, which was promised to those that abide in Christ. It does not depend on circumstances because it rests in God's sovereign control of all things. That's what Donald Campbell says. Then there is this great preacher, teacher. Uh, his name is Martin Lloyd-Jones. And, and he says this, in any, def, in, in any definition we may give of New Testament joy, we do not go to a dictionary. We go to the New Testament instead. This is something quite peculiar which cannot be explained. It is a quality which belongs to the Christian life in its essence, so that in our definition of joy, we must be very careful that it conforms to what we see in our Lord. The world has never seen anyone who knew joy as our Lord knew it, and yet he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So our definition of joy must somehow correspond to that. Joy is something very deep and profound, something that affects the whole and entire personality. In other words, it comes to this. There's only one thing that can give true joy, and that is contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He satisfies my mind. He satisfies my emotions. He satisfies my every desire. He and His great salvation include the whole personality and nothing less. And in Him I am complete. Joy, in other words, is the response and the reaction of the soul to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what Martin Lloyd-Jones jo says, says about joy. 
I just want us to understand that joy is something that is unique to those who are believers and followers of Jesus Christ. It's something that is difficult to explain to those who do not have it. It's something that that is is contained in us. It's a part of our very essence as followers of Jesus Christ, and it's contained in us no matter what circumstances in which we find ourselves. It is real, true, authentic joy. And so that theme is, again, woven throughout this whole book, and we're going to see how it ties to each of these issues. I'm looking forward now to beginning a verse-by-verse study through the book of Philippians on the very next podcast. Until then, God bless. Thank you for listening to this edition of Sharing Real Hope. We hope that you were encouraged in your walk with Christ by what you heard. Please take a moment to email us with your questions, prayer requests, and comments. Our email address is sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Again, that's sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website at sharingrealhope.org. Until next time, keep living in and sharing real hope.